0: Today's tale is about television, sort of. You remember a certain disgraced reality TV host whose show was pulled because a member of the public committed suicide after appearing on the programme? The host wasn't sent to jail, but in my story he was, and he reflects on what he considers to be his innocence. Does he learn humility? Let's see. The fat lady sang. I think they're depriving the great British public of moral entertainment. I think it's an act of censorship that is both vindictive and petty. That's what I think. Not that anyone has ever really asked me what I think. I've been sidelined, trial by media. The highest of high horses has been mounted, and I am now cast down, the lowest of the low. The price of celebrity, isn't it? But we were a team, and my thoughts genuinely are with my colleagues.' You think it's easy just to move on to the next gig in TV land? No chance. That's why everyone who works on a show puts in the maximum effort to keep the thing afloat, keep it going, reinvent yourself, build momentum, make the product so desirable that daytime viewing cannot be imagined in any other way. And we've left a void. Oh, yes, indeed. We've left a gaping hole in the morning of the couch potato. Perhaps that's not fair never take your audience for granted, maybe we've left a gaping hole in the catch-up viewing of the technologically enlightened as well. We attained and held on to a market share, as they like to put it, second to none in that time slot. We were a rip-roaring success by any measure, and only this so-called scandal, this fabricated outrage, this alleged callous indifference has felled us. And they accuse me of being bitter. Bitter doesn't get near, Darlings, I am a seething quagmire of concentrated battery acid. I am the land of milk and honey, ravaged by hurricane-force botulism. And all because some feckless, wretched, pathetic, self-pitying failure of a man topped himself, some time after parading his stupidity on national television. Post hoc ergo propter hoc. Don't expect me to do Latin, do you? Just because something happened after something else does not mean that what happened was caused by what preceded it. A fallacy for the feeble-minded. But then, the vast majority of the population of this country are feeble-minded, aren't they? That's why they've got so much time to sit around on their arses watching telly. That's why they can't, won't, don't get jobs... That's why they descend into lives of sloth, ignorance and depravity. That's why they ram themselves with fast food, cheap booze and illegal substances. That's why they suck the taxpayer dry on benefits. That's why they claim to be suffering from fibromyalgia, chronic fatigue syndrome and emotionally unstable personality disorder, while still managing to litter their trailer trash landscapes with children. Children who will grow up to be obese, unemployed, illiterate, lazy, stupid, violent and reckless. And just because this is so, and because I say it is so, they call me a hypocrite. A hypocrite. I'm not out there brawling in the tattoo parlour and getting my wife's mother pregnant while eating twenty Big Macs a day, smoking ten packets of smuggled cigarettes, drinking three litres of vodka and Vimto, while selling heroin to school kids from a stolen car with failed asylum seekers stuffed in the boot. Am I? No. I am resisting all that. I am bringing a hard dose of reality to the party. I am forcing people to confront their true selves in front of a live audience so that they and others might learn. I am providing a service, a moral, spiritual and educational service. I am a preacher, a missionary, a zealot of ethical purity, delivering wisdom and psychological assistance to the afflicted. At least I was. They accused me of lacking empathy. Me? Lacking empathy? Have they not watched the show? I am to be found with my arm gently wrapped around the big, sobbing slab of fat called middle-aged man who's just had three children, God knows how, with the teenager who lives in the caravan down the lane. And now he's been found out, and boo-hoo, the lie detector test which he agreed to take shows that he wasn't at home wrapping Christmas presents and injecting Cornish pasties after all. No, he was down the knocking wagon with his underpants around his knees. But there I am, comforting, soothing, supporting, and offering hope and renewal, as he slobbers and sweats over me like a melting tub of lard. I am to be found holding the hands of the wizened crone, who turns out only to be thirty-two, who just can't stop swilling crack. And so she sold the campervan that she and her three cognitively challenged teenagers call home, And yes, she actually did in fact steal and sell her sister's car, and now not only is she bankrupt and severely addicted to street drugs, but her sister, no angel herself, though employed after a fashion and marginally better than a care home for the whinging kids, is willing to forgive her if only she confesses and tells the truth. But she can't. Until the lie detector reveals all, and here she is with her credibility blown in front of her sister and the kids and the whole world. And it is I, the devil incarnate, who holds her bony hands with the broken yellow fingernails and whispers words of consolation and calm into her befuddled ears, offering counselling, residential rehabilitation and compassion. Q.E.D. Not such a bastard after all. The lie detector are you all so obsessed with the lie detector when you pass so easily over the professional support, the therapists and psychologists and social workers who we have on standby for any and all of our hapless basket cases? Can you even think of any other television programme that has this detailed, resourced level of input? Is there any other show anywhere near as prepared as us to deal with the consequences of what takes place? When horses fall in the Grand National, More often than not, they're shot dead on the spot. And though shooting them dead on the spot might well be a reasonable response to some of the dregs of the scum of the dregs that turn up to fume and rage on my watch, this is not what we do. Instead, we throw at them the best psychosocial help that money can buy, and you call us callous, uncaring, cold-blooded and inhuman. Look, I know that lie detector evidence is not admissible in court. But in court, the standard of proof is beyond all reasonable doubt. Think about it. Beyond all reasonable doubt, it's a wonder anyone gets convicted of anything but the standard of proof in television land has got to be the civil standard on the balance of probabilities and Here, surely the lie detector, which is okay not a hundred per cent accurate but near as damn it, here the lie detector is one of the driving motors of the show and Listen to me, no one has to take a lie detector test; they are invited to take one for the benefit not just of the audience and the arena of public opinion, but to heap salve on their own conscience. It's a religious, cathartic liberation, a secular confessional. It works, so don't give me that supercilious sneer. We are proud of our lie detector. Lots of people commit suicide. Yeah, it's sad, yeah, it's really hard on those left behind, but it's a common phenomenon, isn't it? When you hear of a suicide, you think, oh, that's too bad. You do not think, who can I find to blame for this? You do not think, how can we frame someone else for this so it sort of looks a bit like murder? because that's what's happened to me. Not only did that miserable loser top himself and leave, I don't know, his doting mother and his heartbroken ex-girlfriend or whatever, but he dragged my show, our show, into the spotlight and he vomited up all of his horrible mental decay over us. Here we are, here we all are, covered in the rancid slime of this selfish deadbeat human garbage. That too strong for you? A beautiful mix of investigative journalism... And compelling emotional drama has been untimely ripped from the grateful viewing public because one, just one, woeful, despicable, contemptible smear of excrement went on to explode his loathsome ineptitude in an act of violent attention-seeking. He took his own life. Let me tell you, that bug didn't deserve to have a life in the first place. So don't ask me if I feel sorry, if I have regrets about the way he was treated. I have no regrets. He got what he deserved. The human race is better off without him. But the most important thing is that his suicide had nothing, absolutely nothing, to do with the show. We, I, not guilty, Your Honour. We're the victims here, not him. We carry the suffering. He was a barely sentient insect. We're artists. We're performers. We are the gentle priests and the kind police of the reality of modern living. That's what we are. So here I am, behind bars, stitched up, abandoned, discarded. My team scattered to the four winds, their careers in tatters. But I have not been idle. I took one look at my fellow inmates and I thought to myself, they are in need of moral direction. They must rediscover a purpose in life. They must be purged of their follies and delusions and set upon the straight path to redemption and retributive justice. People think that prisoners have it easy, that it's a college of crime. And you know what? They're right. "'It's not a hotel. It's not comfortable. That's not the problem. "'The problem is that prisoners are not confronted with the ghastly truth of themselves. "'Unless they face the humiliation of exposure in front of an audience of their peers, "'they will not gain the insight they require to move forward. "'The authorities here have been most cooperative. "'They've allowed me to conduct sessions with the men, and they like what they have seen. "'And, of course, they know me. "'You're the one on the telly, they say appreciatively. "'They like the attention, you see. Someone who cares.' Not that there have not been teething problems. After my first session, two of the prisoners were admitted to the hospital wing. Turns out one of them had been intimate with the girlfriend of the other one. Just a bit of banter that got out of hand, really. But the truth is always better out than in. And we've made progress. I can hear them in their cells at night, screaming in their sleep, letting all that pain and deception, the years of lying and thieving and dirty dealing, letting it all go, sweating it out. I've been in discussions with my agent, who's been in discussion with the governor, and I'm pretty sure we can get the cameras rolling here on the inside. It won't be the same, of course, it won't have the same high production value, and I won't be able to exert absolute control over the process as I'm used to. But I'm only thinking of the men, thinking about their deep need for confession and absolution. They're guilty. They are all guilty. Even the ones who profess their innocence are guilty, if only of futile presumption. No, I have come to understand that depth of character is created by the willingness to work with the lowliest and most despised in our society, and I have given myself that task. I have channelled my righteous and totally justified anger into the project of the rehabilitation of the nastiest, most violent savages this country has to offer. And you know what? They love me. They need me. Television needs me. The nation needs me. Have I learned anything from this terrible miscarriage of justice? I have. And it is this. One is vindicated ultimately by the strength of one's self-belief. I have learned humility and modesty, and with them I will reach out to take again what is rightfully mine. Thank you for listening, and if you enjoyed the podcast, please share.